0: So, how's it going? It's going good? Hopefully you're sitting next to somebody who smells good. If not, sorry. Okay, get your, get your papers out, get your pens ready. We are going to fly this morning. Um, I got a lot, I got a lot to um, cover. And a little bit of time to do it, right? Um, this is um, at our core. This is the, um, you ever sung the song that never ends? This is the song that never, now it's stuck in your head just from that little bit right there. This just seems like the series that never ends, doesn't it? Um, but this is actually week 11. We've only got a couple weeks after this. So just to kind of catch us up to where we are in in the, in the whole series, we're talking about core values. And there are 14 of them, but we don't expect you to remember all 14. But if anybody could stand up right now and say all 14, just from the top of your head, we would just clap. And we don't have any money to give you, but we would clap. But there's the core four, okay, the core four, and that is the undeniable message of Jesus, the unbreakable body of Jesus, the uncontainable kingdom of Jesus, which is what we've been talking about the last few weeks, and today's the last week that we'll talk about that. And then next week, we'll start off with the unexplainable worship of Jesus with our very own guest speaker. Yay! You don't have to hear me next week. Aren't you excited? Turn to your neighbor and say, next week's going to be awesome. Phil's going to be teaching us next week. It is going to be great. Um, So, today we're finishing up the uncontainable kingdom of Jesus. His his kingdom is always growing, and one of the ways that we believe that it grows is through prayer. So, let me just start off with this. um, Ask if you've ever been on the phone, your cell phone, and you've dropped the call. Show of hands. Yeah, if you live in stanley county and you have at&t your hand should be up right now okay it's like i'm in my ha- i have a microcell does anybody have a microcell do you know what i'm talking about it's like a little mini tower apparently it's going to give me cancer but it's in my it's in my um house it's by my computer and it gives me five bars i can literally some of you will know this because you've called me my phone will ring at the desk i will pick it up i am from here to here from the microcell. And I'm going, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And they're going, Paul, Paul, Paul. It just, am I the only one that, want, you just want to take your phone and just throw it out the window. And maybe some of you have done that. I wouldn't recommend that because you have to fix the window, get a new phone, all that kind of stuff. But the point here is, you know, you end up calling them back. You try to pick up where the conversation was. You have to kind of recap the whole conversation because you don't know where they stopped listening and you've been talking to a, a phone that nobody's on the other end. It's In a word, it's very, very frustrating. We have some pictures here of just people that ha- have this one thing in common, just frustration over, over dropped calls. I love that picture. She's just not happy at all. Um, you can just look at those while we keep going. Um, so unfortunately, these pictures could also represent another frustration, and it is the frustration that believers often have in prayer. Uh, this morning, I, I want us to learn that prayer, our prayer life, is a little bit less like drop calls, and a little more like a thunderbolt connection. Who in here has a thunderbolt connection on your computer? Anybody? Yeah, it's new technology. It's gonna blow you. Are you do you really? It's fast. It's fast. It's like I don't have it. I want it because I want. I want to go online. I want to click it, and everything be there. Like, you know, a five-second wait way too long. Your prayer life is actually supposed to be more like that than the drop calls that we experience here in Stanley County. So today is uh, the last value in the uncontainable kingdom of Jesus, and it says this. Get your pens ready. Here we go. We value unwavering prayer. We value unwavering prayer and expect our desperate cries to change the spiritual atmosphere around us. We value unwavering prayer and expect the desperate cries, our desperate cries, to change the spiritual atmosphere around us. So, like, books have been written about prayer. I mean, there's, like, total Bible studies about prayer. So, this morning, we're just trying to get a bird's eye view of prayer. I want to do this. I just want to share with you two truths in Scripture about God that can change your prayer life. And then just one really obvious, everybody say, no-brainer. One no-brainer application. Okay? And then we're going to get out of here. So here we go. The first, the two truths about God. Number one, God hears when we pray. God hears when we pray. It's frustrating to talk to someone who's not listening. Am I right? Um, you ever had a conversation with somebody while they're texting? Not fun. Hopefully not while they're driving and texting because that's not fun and also terrifying, right? Ever, um, we talk about this a lot, you ever gone to the restaurant with a date and you're talking to them while they're watching the TV? Frustrating. Nobody likes to be ignored, right? It's frustrating when you're talking and they're not listening. So if if we're not being heard when we pray, then we can save ourselves a lot of time and trouble because there's no point in praying. Am I right? I mean, today, literally, I could save you hours from your life. You might walk out and say, I'm never going to pray again because maybe God doesn't even hear us. And if he doesn't hear us, there's not a point in praying. But the opposite is true as well. If our prayers are heard, then they're powerful. So I just want to share with you quickly some passages to consider that prove beyond doubt that God is a God who hears people when they pray. Luke chapter 1 verses 8 through 13. Just jot that down. This is when Zechariah goes in. He's prayed. His wife has prayed about having children. Um, she has no children. She's barren. And the Bible doesn't record where the prayer is, but you know that he prayed because he gets an answer to his prayer. He goes walking in. He's, a, he's designated. to cast lots. Rolling dice in the Bible. Sweet. Anyway, they cast lots. He gets picked. And so he goes in. He starts doing his job. And as he's doing his job, An angel shows up. Now, I don't know what all of you do for a living, but just imagine sitting at your cubicle and all of a sudden, angel. We're running out to change our underwear at that point, right? And so an angel appears and the angel says that God has heard. He says in verse 13 of, of Luke chapter 1, he says, your prayer has been heard. Exodus chapter 2 23 through 25, the Israelites were praying the kind of prayers that most of us do. They were groaning. And they were whining. Why does that have to be this way? And the cool thing is, in the midst of all that, verse 24 says this, God heard their groaning. And that's really encouraging to me. Because, I mean, a lot of you, you know people that are really good prayers, right? Like when you call on them to pray, they just... It just it's beautiful and you feel like, wow. I mean, even Jesus is taking notes on how to pray when they pray. Right? He's like, I'm gonna use that next time I pray to to God. But then some of us we feel like I don't know how to pray. Like when I, I try to pray, like you know, when I was in my first church, we met we met downstairs for um youth Sunday school in the in the basement. And then we would go upstairs for church. And so I called on a friend of mine. I was teaching at the, the, the Sunday school, and I said, Why don't you close us in prayer? And so here's what he prayed God, he was just so nervous. He said, God, thank you so much for this great lesson. And um, just give us a good weekend. God, give us a good trip as we go to church. In Jesus' name, amen. I said, A good trip? It's upstairs. Where, I mean, are, Where are you going? <laughs> I'm going upstairs. Are you going to Nebraska? I mean, what are you doing for church? And yeah, sometimes we get nervous. We feel like we don't pray well. What I get out of that in Exodus chapter 2 is this. The Israelites probably didn't pray the best. I don't know that God's favorite prayer is us groaning and complaining and whining about how bad it is. But even that prayer he heard. That's cool. That's really good news for us that are not professional prayers. Exodus chapter 22. Verses 23 and 27. Now, here's the context of that passage, okay? Just jot it down and you can read it this afternoon. Exodus 22, verses 23 and 27. God's laying out some laws for how the Israelites are supposed to live. And specifically concerning social responsibility. Now social stuff, that's really big right now, right? We want to be socially conscious. We don't want to do things that hurt, the, hurt culture, that hurt people, that hurt the earth. So even in the Old Testament, God's all about social responsibility. And twice in verse 23 and verse 27, He says basically this. If you mistreat people, if you mistreat people, and they cry out, I will hear. And that's like when you're going out with your spouse and you're leaving your kids alone at home and you look at them and you say I, I just want you to know whatever you do I'll hear about it. Have a good night. <laughs> I mean God's like laying out all these laws and it's in one of those books where you kind of read it and go <laughs> laws but in the middle of it he says but if you mistreat these people and they cry out I will hear. 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 two times within 11 words John wrote this he hears us. And there's a lot more to those two verses but for right now the point is that he hears us when we pray. So it's it's great to have confidence in the fact that our prayers are being heard, right? But there's only one, there's only one of the truths that can change our prayer life, okay? It's good if God's listening, that's good that he hears, but what does he do when he hears? And that's number two. God hears us when we pray, and God moves when we pray. Before we really get into examples of God moving when we pray, we just kind of need to blow up um, a little bit of perverted, perverted truth. Is that cool? Here's what it means. God being moved by our prayers is not the same as God being manipulated by our prayers. God being moved by our prayers is not the same as God being manipulated by our prayers. Um, some teaching will confuse the two. and So as a dad, there's times that my children could come to me and they could, they could try to get me you know, on their side in a good mood. Tell me what I want to hear so that I'll give them what they really want. Right, parents? Children are good at that. But there's other times that my children come to me and they just genuinely make a sincere request. And what happens to my heart as a dad? Oh, anything you want, baby. That would be to Sydney, Parker and Willoughby. Anything you want, dude. You're just moved. Now, is it possible for children to manipulate parents? Uh huh. Yeah. Like, I-, I was thinking about this way back. Some of you will will remember the Silver Odyssey. Does anybody here remember the Silver Odyssey in Stanley County? That's way back. It was the the hangout when I was in high school, and it was arcade, video games, like um, I think that was back when Pac-Man was like big. Wow. It's a trip down memory lane right there, and it's not a good trip, but I loved going to Silver Odyssey because there was this game called Asteroids, and I I was a killer at Asteroids. I mean, I was awesome at it. And my mom got wind of the fact that Silver Odyssey was not only an arcade, but also the greatest place for drug dealing in Stanley County. And so my mom, being about this tall and full of the power of the Holy Spirit, looked at me and said, you are not to go to Silver Odyssey. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I knew I could manipulate the situation because I was just starting to work out at the YMCA. So I told her one day, I said, "Can can me and my friend Chris go down and let's we're just gonna go to work out at the Y?" And she's like, "Yeah, that's cool. You're not going to the Silver Odyssey, are you? No, no, we no we're going to work out at the Y." Of course, we we went to the Silver Odyssey. You know, I manipulated the whole situation. Had a great time at Silver Odyssey. On the way home, we're in my dad's awesome. Two-tone station wagon, <laughs> rocking to the eight track, and I realized. I looked at my friend. and said, "You know that we told my mommas we were going to go to work out at the gym." And he said, "Yeah, you know we're not sweating." It's like, oh yeah, we're not. And so, in a 90-degree summer day, we just turned, put all the windows up, and cranked the air, the heat on high. And drove home with the heat just blasting. So when we drove up in the driveway, we were sweating the whole deal. She was like, How is the why? It great. You know, just wiping the sweat off. Man, kids can manipulate, okay? Children can manipulate their parents. And why is that? For a very obvious reason. Because parents, I love you, but you don't know it all. I'm one, too. We're not omniscient to use a real theological word we are not all knowing we'd like our children to think that we're all knowing we tell them that we know a lot but we don't know it all so children can manipulate but proverbs 16 2 and proverbs 21 2 both say this that there's a way that seems right to men but the lord weighs the motives of the heart So maybe I can be manipulated by my kids. Maybe you can be manipulated by by somebody. But guess who cannot be manipulated? God. Because he knows the motive of your heart. And for me, that's such good news. He can be moved by our prayers, but he can never be manipulated by our prayers. When I was a youth pastor, and I had a girl that gave an offering one time, and when I, this is in youth group, this is where like, like the big offerings a quarter, right, on a good week. And so she put it in her little offering envelope and she turned it in. And when I was picking it up, I I happened to flip it over. And on the backside, it had in big, big letters, green neon. That's interesting, green neon. So I was like, hey, I I noticed that you put this on the back. What's that about? And she goes, oh, that's what God's going to give me because I gave him that offering. Uh, No, he's not, (laughs) because God can't be manipulated. He knows when your heart is pure, and he knows when it's not. So the good news is this. You ever felt like praying a certain prayer, but you weren't sure if your motives were pure? And so you kind of hesitated to pray? Can I just set you free? Just pray. Just pray anyway, because he can judge the motives of your heart. He'll take care of that on his end. You just pray. Alright, so God moves when we pray. And here's a few examples. Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 through 14. Do we have anybody in here that debates? Like on an official debate team? No, but you do like to debate? Okay. Exodus chapter 32, 9 through 14, is a debate in the Bible. Um, God is hanging out with Moses. And he tells Moses basically this. I'm tired of the people that you're leading. They're always complaining. They're always grumbling. And I think I'm just going to wipe them out and give you a new nation. Any of you lead people that frustrate the snot out of you? What if God came to you and said, I got an idea. I'm going to kill those people. And I'm going to give you new people that will love you and do everything you ask. I don't know where you are, but I'm in a place right now where I'd be like, how soon can that be done, God? <laughs> Moses instead, in verse 12, he prays and asks God to relent. God, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't, don't ruin your name. By bringing your people out here, saying that you're going to take them to the promised land, and then killing them. Don't don't do that. Relent, God, relent. And in verse 14, God relents. Now, a lot of people that are smarter than me, they debate this all the time, wondering, did God really change his mind? Or did he actually never plan on wiping out the Israelites? And all I can tell you is this. When you read it, just read it straight the way it is. It's obvious that the turning point in the whole deal is Moses praying. It's as simple as that. That's what pivots the whole thing. So God is moved because Moses prays. Genesis chapter 18, 16 to 33, this is where God is talking again to Abraham. And he says, I don't want to just hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, and so I'm going to destroy Sodom. I'm going to let him know I'm, going to take, I'm taking Sodom out. God is like all into nuclear weapons, isn't he? <laughs> And here's what Abraham says. He has a little reverse auction with God. Instead of going higher and higher, he goes lower and lower. He's like, well, what if you find 50 people that are righteous? And God says, okay, for 50, I won't I won't destroy it. What about 45? Hey, 45, hey, 45, hey, 40, 40. Hey, 30, 30, 20. And goes all the way down to 10. Now, if you know the story, you know that Sodom was destroyed. Which is sad because that means that God couldn't even find ten people that were righteous. But the point here is that Abraham is praying, God is hearing, and God is responding as a result. Okay, so when we pray, He hears. When we pray, He is moved. First Samuel chapter one, verses ten through twenty. This is a passage that a lot of young couples can relate to. Uh, Wendy and I can relate to this for many years. Um, Hannah is she's infertile. She cannot have kids. And she starts pouring her heart out to God. So much so that the priest is pretty sure she's drunk. I mean, have you ever prayed that hard that people thought you were drunk? It's crazy. Dude. So he's like, look, lady, stop drinking. She's like, I'm not drinking. I'm just pouring my heart out to God. She's unable to have children. She finds herself praying to God. And within the year, she gives birth to a son in verse 20. And she names him Samuel. And here's why she names him Samuel because the word the name Samuel sounded like the Hebrew word that means heard by God so every time she called Samuel Michael every time she said his name he was living proof that when we pray God hears and he moves psalm 72:12 it says that he hears the cry of the needy, and he delivers him. He hears the cry of the needy, and he delivers them. And those, things are, those are some phenomenal stories in the Bible. But the great thing about the gathering is, I mean, we're like a really young church, and even at our age, we have stories here of how God has answered prayer in amazing ways. Um, Beth Poplin, we prayed for her a few weeks ago, when we sent her up to Virginia. She's up taking care of her sister-in-law who has throat cancer here's the latest report from virginia the throat cancer is shrinking her her did i say daughter-in-law it's sister-in-law i'm sorry her sister-in-law has gained five pounds god hears god moves um joe lucas we're angela and i are talking before service joe's been out of work for a year so we go to see jesus culture and while we're at jesus culture they had people stand up to get prayed for Somebody comes and prays for Angela and says, I I, I feel like God wants me to tell you something. And one of the things that she told Angela was, you've been burdened for your family, and I'm going to relieve the burden. One week to the day later, Joe's first day at his new job. You guys know the story about Jan Getz because she shared her testimony. We got to walk that journey with her, right? Like, hey, it's... It's Monday, and you don't have a job. See ya. And then three, four months later, she has another job, fantastic position, loves it, with good people, making as much or more than she made before. God answers prayer. Brittany can say the same thing. Brittany has a new job as well, and you've been praying for years about a new position, and boom, suddenly she's got an interview, she's got a job just like that. God answers prayer. I was talking to um, Kathy Udy. She, um, she also lost her job, and she got a new job, not making nearly what she was making at the old job. And they asked, I mean, when you lose your job, any job you get is good, right? But if you get a job making a, a lot less than you were making, it's still tight, still tough. And I, mean, I don't know if you know her story or not, but I think the first day on the job, she was given a raise. And then within three weeks, she got another raise. So now here she is. She's making almost as much as she was at the other job, in a new position. God answers prayer. I know you've heard Phil and Jennifer's testimony, but I mean, there's Kada right there, sound asleep. We're all jealous. That's an answer to prayer. That's, that's a Hannah story right there. God, we can't have children. We, we don't know what's wrong. And boom, God provides a miracle. Wendy and I, for sev- took us seven years to have Parker and Will. I mean, because they were really stubborn. Long labor and delivery. <laughs> Wendy is amazing, isn't she? I I bow down to her every it's like seven years of labor? Wow. Seven years of trying. You know, I mean on infertility drugs, the whole deal. And literally in two separate places on the same day, God says to me in scripture you'll have a child in a year. And he says to Wendy through prophecy from a woman that she trusts, within a year, you'll have a child. And within a year, we had two. Amazing what God does when we pray. So if you don't believe the Bible, and I don't know why you wouldn't, there are stories after stories after stories in our, just in our gathering. I mean, we had not even gone out to other places, but just in our gathering. Of how God moves through prayer. Talk to Doug later today. Ask him what happened at Jesus' culture. Lisa, ask her what happened at Jesus' culture. When people prayed and God moves, it's amazing. I'm telling you, be encouraged in these two truths. When you pray, God hears you. And he moves. When we know that our prayers are heard, we don't have to feel ignored. You ever feel ignored by God? He's not ignoring you. He hears you. And when we know that he moves in our prayers, we don't have to feel isolated. You are not alone. And, and I'll be honest with you, prayer can feel lonely. It is sometimes work you do all by yourself on your knees, and you're not even sure God's into it. But he is. When you pray, he hears and he moves. Finally, the one application that's based on those truths And I wish I had something a little more profound for you, but this is it. If we know beyond a doubt that when we open our hearts and our mouths to pray that God hears us and that he moves, what's the only application for us? We pray. That's it. We just pray. Because the reason that many of us don't pray is because we're not really sure that he hears and we're not really sure that he'll act. I mean, if we just bottom line it. Because if you knew, if you knew that he was always listening and always moved by your prayers, wouldn't you simply make sure that you were always praying? I mean, this is like a guaranteed success. If, if we knew, if I could, if I told Patrick, every time you open that door, a bell's going to ring and you're going to get $1,000. The first time he would do this. Ding. There's a thousand dollars. That was pretty cool. Put it in his pocket, close the door. Look around. Give it another shot. Ding. A thousand dollars. I mean, at what point does he not wait for the ding? When's he just doing this? <laughs> if you knew, if you know that God is always listening and he's always moving. Based on you always praying. Wouldn't you always pray? Yes. So, here's a few more verses. Um, Acts 1.14. Romans 12.12. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. These are the kind of verses in the Bible that say things like this. Pray without ceasing. Always praying. Being committed to prayer. I used to read those and go, why would anybody always want to pray? Because I've been to prayer meetings and they are boring. Because they know that if I'm always praying, He's always listening. He's always moving. So I'm going to always pray. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to pray. Driving in a car, that's a good time to pray. There's some crazy drivers around Stanley County, right? Always praying. So how do we pray? Just real quick, jot these down. Four ways to pray. We pray with humility. Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Now what I want you to understand is this. Here's what it says, the verse before that, verse 13. God says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. Okay, how many people think that's good? Raise your hand. How many think that's bad? Raise your hand. It's bad. Raise your hand. When God's saying, if I make it not rain and I command locusts to devour the land and send a plague among my people, that's not good. He says, if that happens, if you'll humble yourself and pray, I'll heal your land. So they had every right to be ticked, right? Well, geez, God, thanks a lot. Thanks for the drought and thanks for the fact that now, you know, there's locusts in my backyard and I don't have a backyard anymore thanks for the plague. But he said, even though you can be mad, just humble yourself. Humble yourself and pray. Bowing in prayer reminds us that we aren't God. And most of us are pretty sure, we know we're not God, but we're pretty sure God needs us. He just needs you to humble yourself. Pray with humility. Um, Pray with determination. Genesis 32, 26. This is He's wrestling with God, and he says, I will not let you go. Jacob is wrestling with God, and God's like, the angel touches him in his hip and hurts him, and he says, I'm still not letting go. Until you bless him, I'm not going to let go. Luke 18, one through 5, Jesus tells us a parable about prayer that basically says, I'm not going to give up. Luke 11, 5 through 8, he tells another parable that basically says this, I won't be afraid. We can pray with confidence. 1 John five 14, let's read these verses real quick. 1 John 5, 14, John says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We can pray with confidence. Hebrews four sixteen says, Let us boldly with confidence approach the throne of grace, that we can find mercy in our time of need. Ephesians 3, 12 talks about having confidence in prayer. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 also talks about living with the confidence that we have in Christ, And finally, my last one and the best story in the whole Bible, we pray with expectation, Daniel chapter 10. And then we're going to close and get out of here. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel has a vision. And he has absolutely no idea what it means. You ever have that happen? You ever wake up and ha- you had a dream and you start explaining the dream to um, your friend or to your spouse, and halfway through explaining it, you realize it's not making any sense to them because you have no idea what it means. Like, I had this really weird dream last night. I was climbing a vine and I had a pizza. And then, and then boom, I was in California and I was surfing. And there was a shark behind me. And then, just like that, I was in Locust, I was playing on the Wii. Is this making any sense to you at all? And they're like, I have no, are you doing drugs? (laughs) Daniel has a dream, he has a vision. He has no idea what it means in chapter 10. Verse 2 says, at that time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Now you know this is a jacked up vision if it makes him mourn for three weeks. It says for three weeks he ate no choice food, no meat, no wine. He used no lotion at all. Daniel fasts are really popular right now. A lot of people are doing them, and they're good. You want to do a real Daniel fast? You don't use lotion for three weeks. You don't eat meat. You also don't clean yourself. Most people are not applying it quite that way. I'm just throwing it out there, okay? But, so he's made, for three weeks, he's not eating choice food. He's not eating meats. He's, he's not using lotion. He's not pleasant to be around, okay? He's not quite sure what's going on. And he's asking things like this. Can you just imagine for three weeks, here's what he's thinking. One, did God hear me? Two, does he care? Three, why am I not getting an answer? Can anybody relate to Daniel? You've prayed and nothing is happening. Verse 12 changed everything. Verse 10 says this, A hand touched me. This is three weeks later. A hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words that I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now an angel shows up, touches you on the shoulder, tells you to stand up and listen carefully to what I'm about to say. What do you do? You take the earbuds out you turn the iPod off and you focus. Because what's about to be said is a little bit important. And here's what he said, verse 12. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. The minute you pray, The minute you pray, you're heard just like that. Just like that. And the minute you pray and you're heard just like that, guess what's on its way just like that? The answer. He said, the moment you prayed, your prayers were heard and I was sent in response. So the delay has nothing to do with a drop call from heaven. Like, oh man, I was just talking to Jesus and man, I can't even, now he can't even hear me. It's like, Jesus, where'd you, where'd you drop me? Did you drop me at the girlfriend broke up with me? Okay, that's where we were. All right, here, let's get, it's not like that at all. It's dropped just because there's warfare going on. He continued and said this, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came down to help me and we tag teamed that demon and we took care of it. And then I came to you to explain exactly what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. I paraphrased the part about tag teaming. If you've prayed and you haven't gotten an answer yet, let me just play a little hypothetical what-if game. What if Daniel had stopped praying on day two? What if he did better than most of us and he made it till day 10? What, what, if, he, what if he'd stopped praying on day 20? What if he had said to God, I've given you 20 20 days. I'm, I'm stinking hungry. I smell. I can't get a date. I mean, I stink. I don't even want to be around me. And you have an answer of my prayers. What if he had thrown in a towel at day 20? Then on day 21, who would not have shown up? Who would still be fighting warfare over Persia? Be the angel that was sent with his answer. I'm telling you, When you pray, God hears and he always moves and he sends your answer. So if you're not hearing from God yet, I want you to pray, not hoping, but I want you to pray with an expectation. We pray with humility. We pray with determination. We pray with confidence. But please, I beg you, learn how to pray with expectation. I expect when I open this door there's $1,000. And it's been there every time. And if I open the door one time and it dings and there's no money there, I expect it to come. Because God's word is true. He's absolutely 100% committed to people who pray and don't waver. So here's the deal. When we pray and don't waver in our belief... That somewhere between God and where we are, a messenger is on his way with an answer. We have confidence in this. We can boldly approach the throne of grace and find help in our time of need. So we share all these stories about people who needed jobs and boom, God provided a job. Who needed healing and boom, God provided a healing. I mean, we hadn't even talked about that. We got stories of healings in this place right here amazing stories about how God has touched people's lives, about how he's provided money. I'm going to share that in a couple weeks. I mean, can you imagine opening up a drawer and finding 70 $100 bills? I get to share that story. God's done that for me. He's answered prayers like that in my life. But you got to come back to hear it, sorry. Because right now, we got to pray. There's some of you in here that need God to come through for you the way that you've heard that he's come through for other people. And there's no other way to finish this out than just to pray. And just to take the time and say, you know what, God? We're going to pray for the people in this room that need you to come through.